Welcome to another episode of the Heartship Journey Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm your host, Andrea Mauser, a mindset and personal growth coach and creator of Choose Your Journey. We all endure hardship in some form in our life. It's those very things that we go through, we grow through. My guests today are Austin Bain and Jacqueline Bondren, who share an incredible life journey with me. Starting in their teenage years, they turn to drug use, specifically with heroin, as a result of trauma in their lives. The heroin use numbed their pain, helped them to feel powerful, and take on a mentality that no one can hurt me. It also brought them together as a couple and took them on a drug addiction lifestyle. Pivotal moments take place for both Austin and Jacqueline, which they share within the episode, that started their process to wanting to end drug use and seek a road to recovery. This episode is raw, it's real, and it's inspiring. Because honestly, it's a miracle for both people in a relationship who use together to get clean together. This episode is launching the week of Thanksgiving, a time when we especially recognize moments in our life we are so thankful and grateful for. And the reflection from Austin and Jacqueline in being thankful for not giving up and making the choice to choose life is something we can be reminded of in our own daily lives. American Addiction Centers offers free and confidential guidance to those suffering from addiction. If you or someone you know is suffering from drug addiction, please contact them at 888-970-3743. Thank you for listening and be sure to check out my website, www.chooseyourjourney.co to hear other episodes of inspiration. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Heartship Journey. I am just so honored to be here tonight speaking with Austin and Jacqueline Vondren. And their hardship is one of trauma and heroin addiction and them speaking about their experience. So to the both of you, thank you so much for opening your your home to meet this evening. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So would you just start off with sharing a little bit about yourselves, who you are? I know you're married and you have beautiful families, so we'd love to hear more about that. Okay. Um, so my name is Jacqueline Vondren and I work at Inventory Trading Company. It's um, embroidery for clothes. Um, I have two beautiful children, Alice and Felix. Alice is two years old and Felix is three months and they're just my world and um, they just play a huge part in my recovery. I bet. Yeah. My name is Austin. My last name is Bane. Jacqueline hasn't taken my last name yet, but it's it's okay. We kind of, it's not a big deal to us, but uh, maybe one day she will take my last name. Um, I'm 28 years old. Um, I recently, about a year ago, started working at the same company as Jacqueline um, because she was like, it's a really cool job and I think you'll like it. And um, I gave it a chance and I've been there for a year now. Um, I have an oldest son named Andrew um, with another girl. His birthday is actually tomorrow. He's going to be eight years old, which is just crazy to me. (laughs) But he's a sweet boy. Uh, I also have a daughter named Alice and another son named Felix with Jacqueline. 
and um, a little bit about myself. Um, I love music, I love my family, and um, I'm a pretty outgoing person, I'm pretty social, I'm kind of able to talk to anybody um, fairly easily. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I like diversity and uh, people and crowds. I, I love like other people's cultures and stuff like that, so it's easy for me to get along with a lot of people, um, and I just really try to be a positive person. Yeah. So that's a little bit about myself. How'd you guys meet? Oh! <laughs> do you want me to tell her, or do you want uh, to say it? No, we can, you can start off. Okay, so <laughs> it's kind of uh, weird, but, so, um, this was in, let's see, 2000, 2014, I, I was friends with somebody who, um, me and him were kind of like not having a good time like as our friendship we were kind of mm -hmm. we were both using drugs and we were both doing shady stuff to each other and one day he was like hey Austin I'm at the Motel 6 uh please come hang out with me please come hang out with me and I was like I didn't want to just because we've been fighting and then finally he just conveyed pretty much bribed me he's like we'll get high you know blah 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 and I was like you know, at that time I was using heroin and um, you kind of just do it whenever you can, you know. So I went out there and he didn't tell me that there was other people there. He was there with Jacqueline and a few other people. And the, the way I knew Jacqueline was through Facebook. She added me. And it was funny because I like thought she was a cute girl and stuff, but I never talked to her. Yeah. And then they were there kind of for a short period of time and then... Um, Michael, my friend, told me, he's like, that girl kind of likes you, that's why I had you come out, blah, blah, blah. Do you want her to um, come back out? And I was like, well, if she wants to. And I know it sounds kind of bad, but pretty much she was like, I'll get you guys some stuff and you guys can hook up. And it was just, I don't know, at the time, I, me and my son's mom were broken up, and I hadn't really talked to many girls since that point, and I was kind of lonely, and I just pretty much told Michael, I was like, look, if that's what she's cool with, then I'm cool with it. So Jacqueline ended up coming, and then we... Three hours later. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I, I was like, is she coming or what? You know, I'm like sitting there like, okay, this is stupid. And then she finally showed up, and it was kind of just like, cut to the point, uh, we got high, and then we had sex. And, like, that was literally how we met. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but... Yeah. Wow, so back to 2014. So you guys have been together over seven years then. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So take me back. When, when did drug use kind of start for you or what what led to that um well for me I when I was growing up um I had good parents I have good parents and they nurtured me they're loving caring but I had a brother and I'm not trying to make him feel bad because we're growing up now but he was he was really mean to me and then I had three best friends and their dad ended up passing away and I wasn't very popular in school and I wasn't I didn't really have much friends to begin with so 
when he died, they moved to South Carolina with their mom. And so um, I kind of started having like major insecurities and I met this guy through a friend of mine and he, he was way older than me. I was 15, he was 19 years old. And um, I started seeing him and he was really abusive towards me. Um, he would do a lot of like crazy things to me. And so uh, um, one day I was walking down Jackson Street and uh, next thing you know, I ran into my half sister, which she's not a sister at all. So um, she seen my face kind of like broken and she asked me to come back to her, her crib. So I went and she took me into the bathroom and she introduced me to heroin for like the first time in my life. And then I started, started using it. Um, not as crazy and like it, it starts, it escalates to, um, using needles and stuff, but at first I was snorting it. And I was just kind of like starting to get like in love with it because it made me feel powerful. It made me feel like nobody can hurt me anymore. It made me feel like just numb to everybody's uh, thoughts about me and thoughts that I had towards myself. So that became uh, scary because I started not caring about other people and their emotions. So that's how I basically kind of started my my dark journey. Yeah, at 15. Um, probably, I would say, 17 or 18. Oh, okay. Yeah. When he actually tried the hair on. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And do you remember what that first experience was like? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And at that time, it was sadly to say, but it was beautiful. I mean, it just made me feel invincible. Yeah. It made me feel like I just could just control the whole world and other people and mm -hmm. get what I wanted. And if you don't give it to me, I'll, I'll take it from you. Yeah. Just wow. anything. Wow. Thank you for going back to that for me. Yeah. Wow. Um, for me, um, I grew up in uh, Sacramento, California. And, um, my parents, uh, they, they're not bad people, um, but I, they, they, this is how my parents met. They met in San Francisco. My dad just got out of the Navy and my mom was in college and they were young and they were, you know, going to concerts. My parents met at a concert and like hooked up and that's kind of how they, like that's how I came into the picture. So they didn't have a steady relationship before they had me. And they kind of like had to make a decision like we have, we're gonna have a kid like, so they kind of decided to like move in with each other and um, get married and try to raise me. They, we ended up moving from San Fran to Sacramento. And um, from what I can remember and from what I've been told is my house was a very like, um, it was like a party house, you know? My mom was never really into drugs. Like, like she was never a drug addict, 
she would drink and stuff, but she would still like hang out with everybody. My dad, um, he struggled with uh, drug addiction and uh, alcoholism. So I always was kind of, I knew what drugs were. Um, I didn't really realize like the impacts of, you know, harder drugs until I was older. But so pretty much when I moved to Iowa, I was like almost 12 years old. And when we moved here, my parents pretty much got divorced like instantly. And um, it was a, a really, um, uh, uh, basically my, my mom was cheating on my dad and the guy who she was cheating on uh, with my dad ended up like molesting my brother. And um, that like really, um, That um, really tore my family apart, and uh, my uh, my dad didn't know how to deal with it, so he continued to, you know, use drugs and uh, drink a lot, and I became like a really, um, you know, angry person, and uh, I started like smoking weed, stuff like that, you know, just to kind of. Um, some of my friends were doing it and my dad was doing it and uh i was just trying to like you know forget about everything and then uh like when i was like 14 we started doing like oxycotton stuff like that and then it escalated quickly because like oxycotton at the time um it's it's hard to get enough nowadays because everything's like synthetic but at the time if you wanted real oxycontin it was really expensive and one day i was going to get some from my friend and he pretty much told me he's like um look the oxys aren't coming tonight he's like i do have some heroin it's literally like the same thing it's you're gonna feel exactly the same and it's cheaper and uh I kind of, I waited it out for a bit, you know, I kind of tried getting a hold of some people that was like, because you hear the word heroin and you're like, you know, oh, I don't know about that, but um, I ended up doing it and uh, kind of the way she described, like it was, it's a very um, deceiving drug because when you first start doing it, you like, you think it's like good for you. It's so weird. It's like, like, it made me, like, be able to, like, open up more about, like, things, and I was able to be more social. Like, some people, um, they do opiates, and they, like, nod out, and they don't talk, and whatever, but it kind of had, like, the opposite effect on me. Like, I would do heroin, and it would make me talk, and be so, like, alert, and, um, obviously it depended on, like, the dosage, but for the most part, I wasn't doing a bunch because I just kind of started. So it kind of had like a different effect. And um, it was just like from like 15 years old to um, just like, let's see, last, I think it was last week, no, or November, November 3rd 
uh, this year I just got a year clean and that's wow. the longest I've ever had of sobriety since I was 15 years old so I've been struggling with heroin for a very long time and I've like finally been getting to a place where like I'm I'm happy with my life and uh but it, it um it really did um like occupy my uh life for a very long time but it was kind of like um just like a way that I tried to deal with my problems with like not dealing with them mm -hmm. but it kind of like made everything worse because like it's still everything's still there and like I said, with the thing with my brother, it's like a whole family situation. It's not just like a one person thing. So it takes like everybody to work with each other to like have real um, healing, you know what I'm saying? And me and my family have been uh, definitely better nowadays than we were then. But for a long time, it was like, even if I wasn't doing good, it, like someone else wasn't doing good or say someone did start to do good than someone else in the family so it's kind of like it's like sometimes it was hard to be happy you know so yeah yeah wow. thank you thank you for sharing that and congratulations on your sobriety oh my gosh <laughs> amazing to think at an age that started so young for you and to be 28 and, yeah <laughs> and experiencing that wow um Going back to the days of of using, um, what would you say like your mindset was during that time of, did you feel like drugs really helped in the situation or can you walk me through what life was like as a, during the time that you were using? Um, well, for me, it, it felt like it, at the time, it made me feel like it was helping me. It made me feel like I could um, laugh with my parents and kind of like just sit down and like watch movies and made me feel like I was open more. And it made me like just like working at restaurants and stuff. I, I just felt like I had a I had motivation to just work and be productive, but at the end of the day, um, it was destructive and I was delusional because when I do talk to my mom a little bit about my past, she said I was very angry, but I never seen myself like that. I never like noticed how I treated her because in my mind I felt like I was reasonable and happy and communicative and I felt like I enjoyed their company but it was just it was just a mask and it made me just hate her when she wouldn't give me money and I would think bad things and it was just it was just like a lot of deceiving and I, I felt like it was helping me. I felt like it was my medicine. Really? Yeah. So. For me, um, 
it was kind of a mixed thing because a lot of the times I feel like when I started using, um, I had this like false uh, sense of like happiness and like like a mask kind of. It's like you put a mask on, like you're really upset or you're angry, and then you 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 get high and then you like think you're good, you know, you're like, oh, I feel better. And, um, you know, like I said, it kind of had a different effect on me than a lot of my friends. And uh, I, I would, uh, I had a sense of confidence and like she was kind of describing how like in her mind she thought she was being reasonable. But a lot of people that I've talked to, um, you know, they said that I was a real, you know, a mean person and they said especially if I was on heroin It was kind of like you it's one heroin's one of those drugs. That's it's very easy to tell if someone's on it. It's like It's uh, it's really easy. So even people that necessarily didn't know much about it They would know something's going on with me. So like even if they didn't know it was heroin if they say a friend came over or something and they they would just immediately know something was something's not right because austin's acting different so it like always affected people but i never really realized that until like someone would tell me or you know years later you talk to somebody and they're like you know when you're using man like you really are a different person like when you're off of drugs you're you're such a nice guy and like you're amazing to be around, but when you're on that stuff, you're just like, no one wants to be around you. Yeah. And I never really saw that, you know, until in my later uh, years of use. But um, when I, like I was just talking about, when I first started using, I had a false sense of confidence and happiness. But as the years went on and I started using more and more heroin and then eventually started, you know, shooting up, um, no matter how much heroin I would do, I was still miserable, I was still depressed. And sometimes it would make my depression even worse, you know, because now you are adding um, problems to the pile. It's like, you're already depressed. Now you have to worry every day about how am I not going to get dope sick every day. And it's a not, it's an all day thing. It's like, you wake up, you have to do a shot. You go to work, or you, you know, you, at the time I was in school, like, I have to go to school, make sure I get through the day, get out of school. If I want to go to sleep that night, I got to do a shot of heroin. And it turns into this very vicious cycle. And it's like, that's all your focus is on. And the people you have to deal with are horrible people you know so you're dealing with people that don't care about you because you're just money to them mm -hmm. yeah. so like you're just yeah. you know it's just neg it's a lot of negative energy and when you're around that for a long time it starts to get to you and i was just so depressed after a while and it was like even like doing a bunch of heroin i i wasn't getting like that false sense of happiness anymore mm -hmm. so now i'm stuck in a predicament of if I don't use, I'm gonna get sick. So now we have to. So use. I have to. I have to use because I. I don't want to go through the withdrawals. I don't want to go through that. And you know, you you say you're gonna do it, and it just never happens. So like for me, it just it really turned my mental health like way worse. You know, after time. Yeah. So it 
that whole like glamorous like effect it wears off within a couple of years i mean it's probably to some people it could happen in a month but it kind of like dragged on for me and then next thing you know it's like you know you're stuck and yeah. it's like what do you what do you do now and you it's hard to get clean because when you're using you burn a lot of bridges you hurt a lot of people a lot of people don't take you seriously a lot of people don't trust you and it's like it's just it's um it's a horrible it's a very horrible drug and um like i don't regret using heroin just because the where I'm at in my life right now, I'm happy, and it's like I don't. I wouldn't want to change the past. You know what I'm saying? But like for me, like if I know anybody that for some reason like was struggling with like, oh, should I do some? Like, should I use or should I not use? Like, I try to um, uh, tell people it's not worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If someone ever talks to me about opiates or anything like that, or I've had friends reach out to me that have been clean for a while and then oh, thinking about using again. And I, I always tell them like, it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and it sucks because I've lost friends that reached out to me and mm -hmm. said, you know, I want to use and then they end up overdosing and it sucks because, you know, you try to help that person. But at the end of the day, you can't make that choice for them. But I just try to like, um, like relay the message to anyone out there that it's not worth it like it's really not like because especially nowadays it, there's so much uh, fentanyl and it's very dangerous i just i think uh like yesterday found out that um this year it was the most um like fentanyl overdoses i think ever like a hundred thousand people this year have died of fentanyl overdoses and is fentanyl a it, worse drug than heroin? It's basically, yeah, it's, it's taken over the heroin um, market. So a lot of dealers used to cut heroin with fentanyl to make it more stronger. A lot of times um, these days, from what I've heard, it's pretty much straight fentanyl. Like there's, real heroin is hard to find now. Mm. Fentanyl has taken over the opiate market and it is so dangerous it's i think it's like um it's at least 10 times stronger than heroin oh my gosh yeah it's very it's a very dangerous drug so it's like um anytime i've had a friend reach out i i strongly like try to tell them i said look man like i get where you're coming from i've relapsed before i know what it's like it never ends up good and you know i just you know you start to remember like those old feelings it's like you know what that person's going through and mm -hmm. um yeah, just that my whole mindset um, with using heroin or fentanyl is it just really makes you depressed and um, it doesn't it doesn't help, you know, so. Yeah, you talked about dope sick. Yeah. So is that kind of a, a withdrawal piece? Whereas if a person would use that stays in their system to, to give them that high that's a proper reference and then it wears off and then is the body saying i need more yes and if you don't give in to that that's when the dope sick comes yes in. you start to um basically when you start using opiates 
Uh, usually it only takes about three days of consistent use. So say you get high three days on heroin or oxycotton or um, fentanyl, any kind of opiate that you take more than a couple days in a row, you, it basically it uses different receptors in your brain that release dopamine and like serotonin that mm -hmm. gives you like this, this that false sense of mm -hmm. happiness that like a, that rush so it's basically it uses all of that up in your brain and so when that fourth day comes around um basically your brain is lacking the chemicals that are naturally in it and it's looking for that so it sends distress to the rest of your body and it causes you to go into withdrawal and um, I've heard stories of people that just you know went to the doctor because they broke a bone or something got on a type of medication that was opiates and they take it prescribed and then when they stop taking it they're like why do I feel like this and um, you know luckily I've met people that have went through that and they didn't go to you know hard drugs but um, I've also met a lot of people that that's how they got into heroin was from a doctor prescription. A lot of different rehabs have been around people like that. Yeah. It's been in the hospital and then they get hooked. Yeah, so basically your brain is telling you you need more. Yeah. So you get in the more and more you feed into it, the worse it gets. So like if you, you know, use for three days and you don't give into it and you just ride it out, most likely you're gonna be okay. But the more you give into that, I've noticed with myself and with my wife Jacqueline that throughout uh, when we the last couple of, uh, years when we were using together, every time that we would stop using for a little bit and start using again, the withdrawals like get worse. So it's like every time you get back into that world, it's harder to get out because you. It's like um, they always say that saying: you start where you left off. It's like your brain remembers, and it's just you're back into that addiction cycle, and that's why not only with relapsing is um, you know overdoses very like a reason not to do it, but also a lot of the times when people plan on just using, oh, I'm just gonna get high one time, their brain as soon as that opiate enters their system, their brain kicks in and says, oh, I remember you, and you're right back into full blown Game addiction. Over. That's why it's, they say, you know, um, a lot of people that deal with heroin addiction, a lot of people don't really get clean because it's easy to stay in that, that world, you yeah. know, you got to really fight your way out of it, like yeah. with everything that you have, if yeah. you really get sucked into it. And in talking to both of you and in, in getting through this together, like that's a celebration right there. And I'm sure you're probably a very small percent of people that can say that. Especially with um, being together, like using together couples. Not a lot of them even last either. The one wants to stay clean and the other one doesn't or vice versa. Yeah. Was there any pivotal point that you went through before or that made you decide to say that something's got to change? Tell them about your experience. <laughs> with you? <laughs> no, with you and like how you got clean. Oh, how I got clean. Like what okay. happened? Well, well, well. Um, my parents 
decided to well I had warrants out and um, I kept I kept messing up I kept um, I had I was on probation and they gave me multiple chances after chances and then finally they ended up putting warrants out for my arrest and this is when Austin went to rehab so he went to rehab and I was on the streets for like two two days after he got he got after he went to rehab and, um, and when you say going on the streets is I that was, like living really, on the street you were just um I had like I was like staying at one specific place but it wasn't really a home and mm. she the girl that I was staying with was basically like kicking me out like that day so yeah. um I went to this girl's house named Emily and and so um, we were kind of like finding ways to help each other out of getting high. And so um, I was staying with her. My parents said if I, well, I was, I'm sorry, this is just, I kind of messed up yeah, all you're over. Yeah, you're fine, you're fine. I was staying at my mom's house and my dad's, and then they said that if I leave, then I won't, I'm not welcome back. So I left. So then that's when I went to Emily, Emily Nelson's house. And then, um, and you were wanting to change, you were wanting to stop the drug um, use. Not at that time, no. No, I, I kept wanting to get high, and I was lying to Austin over the phone saying I wasn't, you know, I'm taking Suboxone, trying to recover from the withdrawals. And so, um, my mom kept messaging me saying, Hey, you want to come home? I got some fruit for you, and because I love fruit, mm. like that's like the only way to really get me to go home. So she's like, "Please just come home. We miss you, and you're safe here." And then finally, like, kind of like towards the evening, five o'clock on August fourteenth, um, I was just like yeah I guess you know come pick me up and I didn't have her pick me up at like the exact spot so I walked around the corner and they picked me up and I seen two cop cars parked on on the side of the road and I ducked down I'm like oh shit mom there's two cop cars right there next thing you know they turned on their sirens and my dad was he lied he's like Oh, I accidentally ran ran through a stop sign. I'm like, there's no fucking stop sign, Dad. So I was freaking out. And um, so the cops uh, asked for my dad's name, my mom's name, and then they asked for my name. And I gave them my friend's name, which lived in South Carolina. So then my dad looked at me, strained my eyes, and he's like, her name is Jackie Vondren. And that's when I got taken in and I went to jail. And this is my first experience I ever had withdrawing in jail. And it was the worst experience I ever went through because um, my parents weren't talking to me. I had no hygiene. I was laying on the shower floors in jail laying on those floors and they're not clean they're really gross and I was I felt like I was dying and I was in that position where your your legs are up by your chest and you're just like rocking back and forth that's what I was doing like basically all day 
and I couldn't talk to Austin, so I didn't know what he thought, because I knew he was going to be mad when he found out that I wasn't really stopping. And then um, my mom wasn't talking to me for a solid minute, you know, when I was in jail. And um, um, I, I tried calling his mom, and his mom's like, you just need to focus on yourself. And like, I just need to know if Austin loves me, if he's mad at me, like, you know, so I just basically didn't really have connection in there until, like, three weeks later. I was in there for a long time, so, like, three weeks later, I started talking to my parents again in Austin, and <laughs> so it just kind of, it kind of was, like, the bottom of my life, and then I got... I had to go to federal court and I didn't know if I was gonna have to do prison time there. So federal court or federal prison, you just get sent anywhere. You don't know where you're gonna end up. You don't know what prison you're gonna go to. It could be a different state. So I was just kind of like, <laughs> like it was just um, a waking moment for me mm -hmm. realizing where my life was headed yeah. and at that point on when I got out I stayed clean and I put I put a lot of work into it it wasn't easy uh, we were living at the motel uh, Canfield and working two jobs I was working at a car wash and I was working at Texas Roadhouse um, had to do sassy three times a day or three times in a week and what's sassy sassy is basically a um addiction program but most of the time people have to do it like it's not like rehab or anything you're sentenced to go there to do it okay so i completed that and um i just i never i never touched it again well, and it's like I, almost like a cold turkey yeah kind of yeah. approach I mean it was forced you were yeah. you had to yeah, it was forced, go through really tough times when I was in jail wow. I wasn't happy at that time I wasn't yeah. like yay I'm getting my life together right <laughs> I was I was mad I was a very angry I was slamming the phone I was raising my voice at my mom when I got to talk to her and Austin would send me letters. I wouldn't even respond because at that time when I haven't heard from him in three weeks and then he sends me a letter saying I need to get my shit together. Who wants to hear that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm like, you know, fuck everybody. When I get out, I'm going to do a big shot. You know, screw them. But then when I started feeling better in jail, that's when I started to really realize I don't want to be that person anymore because I was just so pissed off and I was so angry and if I if I got out the next day like the judge let me out the next day I probably would have hurt my parents because I was just so mad because yeah. I didn't want to stop I had a, a really bad problem like I was in love with it yeah do you feel like the like the demons came in furiously when you were in jail yeah and it was like I felt like I was an animal wow I felt like I was an animal and I got threatened to go in segregation a lot and there's I got restricted I wouldn't be able to use the phone for a couple of days I was stuck on my bunk bed and I was just a complete monster 
And then did it gradually wear down or was it you get through this period of time in that three weeks and it, it was kind of like a, like an, somebody turned the light switch on. Like yeah. It was, <laughs> it like lifted. The that's cloud lifted. what basically happened. Really? Well, what really helped me too is, um, Emily ended up, uh, in the same jail cell as me. Cause I guess mm. she got arrested like three days later and I guess she requested to be in the same jail cell as me. So then I seen her and I seen, this is when I started feeling better. And this is like when the light switch went on. So then when I seen her, I didn't want nothing to do with her. I didn't want to talk to her. I didn't want to look at her. And she was like, just talking about using and just like glorifying it. And at this point I'm like, dude, I just want to, I just want to get out of here. I just want to get out of here. And she's like, well, I'm going to stay clean too. I'm like, you're just talking about using like just please just leave me alone yeah so I had a lot of supportive people in there because when I was sick um the one of the CEOs referred them as mother hens so they kind of like took me under their wing and usually in jail you don't have that so um, I had support in there and then when she got in there um nobody really wanted to even be around that negativity yeah so it was um it was definitely like like an eye opener going through all that and seeing my husband in rehab trying to change his life around I was just I was just done with it I just didn't want to feel like shit anymore worrying about my next fix how I'm going to get it who I'm going to scam next and who do I have to flirt with to lie and you know, because I did a lot of, a lot of dirty things to get it. Not prostitution, but I found ways around that. Yeah, because the need was so yeah vital that that's all you could think about. I did a lot of forgery and check fraud to get it because I refused to sell my body. And um, the only way to get it was just to lie to other people and... Find some way to go into their bank accounts, mm-hmm. wow. and that's what made. That's why I had a lot of warrants out for my arrest. So, so going back to August fourteenth, yeah. And what year was that? That was two thousand eighteen. Wow. She's been clean for over three years. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh my god. I never relapsed, awesome. and I just graduated off of probation. Also. Absolutely, like, been killing it. Yes. I couldn't be more proud of her. Because me personally, like I said, I just uh, celebrated a year. Yeah. Since that time she's talking about when I checked myself into rehab, that was in September of 2018. Uh, I've relapsed a total of three times since then. And, um, you know, she's been a big part in my recovery because she's showed me that I can do it, you know, because like when I first checked myself in the rehab, it was kind of out of desperation because I didn't want to go to jail. Mm. It, well, I didn't go for the right reasons, you know what I mean? Was it an off, like an offer to you of like, we're going to check you in the rehab? <laughs> it was pretty much like uh, my probation officer kind of like was just kind of hinting like, if you don't get it together, you're going to jail, <laughs> you know? So I was like, all right, I need to go to rehab. <laughs> and she couldn't get in at the time. And uh, it wasn't that I wanted to leave her, but I was like, 
it'd be better for me to be in rehab where I can still talk to her mm. versus me being in jail. And then she ended up getting arrested and I was mad, but I, at the end of the day, I knew what it's like. I know what it's like, you know what I mean? You're, when you're stuck in addiction, it's hard to get out. So I didn't, I wasn't like really mad at her. I was just kind of disappointed, but um, I was at the, I was as weird as it was to say, as like, it was a relief, relief knowing she was okay. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, um, I kind of knew she was using, it's like kind of obvious and um, I, it was like, well, she's in jail and that freaking sucks, but I know that she's like not on the street hanging out with dumb people and um, she's been clean since. So like, that's absolutely amazing to me. And um, I've had a couple relapses and um, honestly, it's been the, the point where it got to me that really clicked was last November last year, I relapsed and it was the probably the lowest I've ever felt in my entire life. Basically what happened was I was doing pretty well. That earlier that year, I was recently diagnosed with type one diabetes. I ended up in the hospital for like five days. I'm dependent on insulin now and it completely turned my world upside down. I had to start using needles to inject myself with insulin and um, I, it just didn't make sense because since um, she went to jail, when we kind of started our recovery, um, I, I, we started eating better, taking care of ourselves, and then when I end up in the hospital with diabetes, it made no sense. I'm like, I'm not overweight, you know, because I kind of, that's all I ever thought about with diabetes. I yeah. didn't know much about it. You know, I've done a lot of research since, but um, that was kind of the start to my last relapse was the diagnosis of type 1 diabetes. and. Um, Basically, my brother and my mom came into town. They moved back out to California. They came out for my birthday, which is in October, and then my daughter's birthday, which is in November. And me and my brother got into a huge argument that turned into me. Like, it was like everything that I was kind of talking about earlier, it just all came back. And it literally, like, took over my mental... I was like, my brother hates me. I'm, I just, I just went right back to the past, and I went out and got high, like on my birthday. And um, next thing you know, it's a couple days later, and Jacqueline's calling me, and she's like, "Where are you at? What's going on?" It was my daughter's um, birthday, and it absolutely. Um, it really like hurt that I messed up around that time. And um, I showed up to the party and um, you know, everyone was really upset with me. And I felt like I kind of took like her special day away from her. And I left that night and then I got high for two more days. And I kind of just was like finally to the point where I was like, my wife doesn't want me around. I screwed up on my daughter's birthday. I'm fighting with my brother again, and uh, there's just so much going on. And I like, I got to the point where I was like, it was kind of like one of those decisions, like, do I continue to, you know, do I just use and hope I overdose, or do I get clean and make shit right? 
and she let me come back home on conditions of me staying clean and I've been clean since and um, it was really hard and um, my daughter's second birthday was just a couple weeks ago and I was really um, I was kind of nervous about that day because it was just like a year from when I messed up and I felt really bad about that but since last year um, I've done everything I can to make it up to her and um, she had a great birthday party and it was just it was really um, it was really good for me because it's like a lot of people um, you know they say they're sorry but I like really try to prove it to her and uh, part of it too that I've talked um, with my therapist is um, forgiving myself and uh, but that's what I've been um, learning a lot this last year um, is like it's it's so much more than the drug use like especially with me because of all the things that happened and uh, I really have to work through those things and um, it's a big part in my recovery and uh, I was just so happy to be able to um, be two days shy of a year clean on her birthday this year yeah. and then you know that was just I was so happy and then the day that I actually got a year clean was just like crazy you know because I've never had that before so I'm really happy it's actually I just realized this in a way but you celebrate your your year clean around Alice's birthday and then me and Felix celebrate yeah. three years <laughs> On the day I got yeah, clean. Uh, oh my gosh. Not even exaggerating. Our <laughs> wow. son Felix was born the day she celebrated three years clean. That was like so crazy. We're like, what are the chances? It's like life and death, you know? Oh my gosh. It's just like, you, it's like, it's like when you say it, it sounds like we're lying. <laughs> but really, he was born on her three year clean day. The day I was arrested is when Felix was born. Three wow. years later. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we've been through a lot, but um, we've accomplished like so much because of just not giving up. And uh, we, her, her parents are so supportive, and uh, they've been such um, a big part of our recovery. I mean, we, we, we had to get this house this year because our last apartment, we had our daughter ended up having lead in her system, and the landlords weren't Very doing anything levels. about it. Oh, gosh. And we had to make a, like, a decision, like, if they're not going to help us get this lead problem fixed, we have to get out of this apartment. And we had to go live with our grandma for like four months. And we were looking for houses daily. And it was like, you know, all the COVID stuff's going on. So everyone is like, you know, hurting for money. And, you know, I understand why we were denied a lot because people just needed the most money they could get for their houses. Yeah. So we're looking for months and months and months. And then finally we came to this house and um it was like we kind of came to the point where we were so used to like getting told no you didn't get the house that we didn't think much of it we we're just like oh this is a really cool house but it's probably not gonna happen you know and we kind of just moved on and then our realtor calls our yeah the lady we were working with vicky she's amazing um she uh, basically <laughs> called 
Jacqueline, when I was picking up, um, I, I forgot what I was, I was picking something up at the store, I think, and Jack, she called Jacqueline to say we got the house, and then she calls me, and she's like, we got the house, and I'm like, what house? And she's like, the house uh, over by Senior with the yard, and uh, it's got five bedrooms, and I was just like, well, was in they... my mind, I'm like, she always jokes around, I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever, dude. <laughs> But we really got the house. When Vicky did call me, though, I was just like, dude, you're shitting me. There's no way. <laughs> She's like, I'm not shitting you. <laughs> She's like, you got the house. And it was just the best thing oh my God. that's like, ever happened to me. Because I never thought we would be house owners. And yeah. I'm just so happy our kids have a was gonna have some brain damage if we didn't get her out of there and we had our doctor her doctor told us like we need to get out right away because she's at very high risk of brain damage and the landlords didn't do anything they basically stole everything from us and they still to this day don't ever say sorry or anything so it was, yeah. it was really it was hard. It was very hard at the time. but Living you, with somebody else, too, isn't the easiest. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird, though. It was like a blessing in disguise. Um, you know, we were forced to get out of there, and we ended up finding the perfect home. Our daughter is safe. She has no lead in her system. She is the happiest, cutest little girl I've ever seen in the world. And... Um, you know, it's just like we've worked, you know, when people tell you about recovery and how it's so much better and, you know, it really is like when you really do try and change your life and you put that energy towards being a better person, um, it, it might take some time and you, you are going to have things that come at you. I mean, life <laughs> is still life, you know, and um, but when you're able to deal with life with a clear head, you're able to make better decisions. And um, like, I literally couldn't be more proud of Jacqueline and um, just us in general. And I'm just happy that she invited me to be part of this conversation. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, she, it was initially gonna be her, you know, her doing the podcast. And she's like, I want you to do it. And I'm like, uh, you know, like, I like podcasts, but I don't want to take my, like, I don't want to take your, like, your moment, but she, like, was right. It's, like, it's both of us. We did it together. I mean, we've been to multiple <laughs> rehabs. We've been to California. We've been to Washington. We literally been through this together. Just up and down you for know, years. Just yeah. literally just, like, going crazy and just going everywhere. We didn't even know what we were getting ourselves into. We went to California. He went missing for a week. I left rehab on the streets looking for him, and I didn't know if any rehabs were going to take me back, so I was in pretty much roaming the streets in the dark trying to find them and California's huge you know and then we went to Washington and just everything went crazy there and um, Sacramento you know we thought we would have a place we could leave rehab and go to Sacramento and next thing you know the guy his uncle actually said you can't live here so we're on the train going to Sacramento and next wow. thing you know no we're homeless <laughs> oh sleeping gosh. by the capital Sacramento. Yeah, we've been through a lot. <laughs> it's but, just um But it's been together. Yeah. Together. We've been through this whole thing together and 
with my usage, you know, I ended up having hep C and then I found out when I was pregnant when they did blood drawn and then next thing you know, um, I didn't know that I was going to save my daughter's life because that's how they found out they were checking her for hep C. Wow. And that's how they found out. That's how they found out. Yeah, because wow. if she didn't, ha if I didn't have Hep C, we would never know she had lead in her system. Yeah, so it's like everything kind of like something like that. At first, you hear Hep C, and you're like, "Oh, this is horrible." And then you find out, you know, a year later, the Hep C was the reason our daughter. We found out about her having lead in her system because mm -hmm. they were doing tests beforehand. Because usually they do like an eighteen month blood draw, yeah. and this was when she was like just little after one years old. So there was still a long period of time before she would have got a blood test. Mm -hmm. And at that time, um, they were just double checking because Jacqueline now is hepatitis free from medication, but they wanted to make sure that you know during birth nothing got passed on, and um, it's like. You know like with our house we it was just like a bad thing happened and instead of giving up and like letting it take over we we did what we, we had to do fight. and then we got a house you know she's yeah. has hep c and it's scary but she doesn't give up on herself next thing you know we're saving alice's life so it's yeah. like that's a big thing i, I feel about in recovery is people if anyone's out there listening and you have things going on in your life if you do the right thing like that's what matters and most likely that's going to come back and be good for you and um anytime things kind of come at me in life nowadays it's kind of like you just kind of see what it is like okay this is an obstacle and I'm not going to let this obstacle run my life mm -hmm. I'm going to run my life and I'm going to make the right decisions and it took us a long time to be able to do that, you know, because we were always running from our problems and, um, you know, using drugs and just digging ourselves in a bigger and bigger hole. And for us to climb out of that together and to now be raising two beautiful children and um, I'm doing my best to work on my relationship with my son, I'm moving forward and pushing for more uh, visitation mm -hmm. and I'm um, having a really good relationship with him nowadays and he calls me dad and he loves me and he loves our home and he wants to be a part of our family and um, I'm not going to let anyone keep him from me and um, I got a lot of people that have my back, my therapist, my probation officer, my job, my wife, her family mm -hmm. and they, they all believe that sometime soon my son's going to be here with us and um i that's like my number one goal right now is um you know having it where my son can stay with us too and um yeah. that's like my bit my biggest motivation right now is i want him to this is his home too and uh i can't wait till that day <laughs> like because awesome. he, he comes and visits but you know, he doesn't actually stay here. And, and it's uh, supervised. So um, I'm really, I've been really working um, hard to um, yeah. make things right with him and um, be the best dad I can to all my children. And um, it's, to me now, like my kids, 
they're like the best thing ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I seriously love them so much, and uh, I'm so happy that I have them. <laughs> You're here for them, yeah. Okay, so we are going to be approaching Thanksgiving next week, and I can only imagine the gratitude and the thankfulness you have for the life you've created through the span of time and since 2014 to 2021. Yeah. What does that mean for you? What is... Um, well, for me, it just, like, it just, it means that, it just means so much to me. Like, I have my family, I have my mom, I have my dad, and, you know, I have Austin's family, his mom and his dad, and it's just, like, my grandma and just everybody that's been supportive from day one, like, they never, they never gave up on me, especially my parents, um, and... I remember when I first found out I was pregnant with Alice and I didn't tell my mom for weeks and weeks and weeks and I was just so scared because she kept asking me about birth control and my dad somehow he just has these um, mind powers where he could just tell I was pregnant <laughs> out of nowhere. And so um, he kept, my dad kept the secret from my mom for a long time and I eventually told my mom and I was really grateful like from that point on when I told my mom, I knew that I could tell my mom anything because I used to be, I was kind of afraid of my mom for a long time and she just didn't know if I would be a good mom because of my using and back and forth and Nobody really knew how serious I was because honestly, out of me and Austin's relationship, I probably was the one that um, was the bad influence because I was mostly like on and off and I would sneak out of the house and try to and say I was going to take a bath and I wasn't going to. And so um, I'm just like really grateful that I can be open and I don't have to be afraid of people anymore. And I can be myself and I have two beautiful, healthy children and I have a reliable job and I can support my family just by my own paychecks. And I don't have to ask anybody for money anymore and just building my life and helping somebody else out that needs just, you know, an ear or just, you know, some feedback. And I just, I feel like, um, I, there's just so many things to be grateful for and I, I can't name everything on top of my head, but when it comes down to it, like I'm, I'm grateful for my life and I'm grateful for me figuring out who I really am as a person because I never knew who I was and I always felt awkward and I always felt ugly in myself and I always was worried about how other people look at me and hearing Austin say like you know I'm beautiful and my parents and that kind of just really drilled a hole in my head and like so now I'm starting to get confident of myself and not letting my past relationships affect me today because in his words, he always would say, I'm ugly and I need to die and nobody wants to look at me and just all those things from years ago until now, you know, I'm still slowly recovering, but 
I'm really comfortable in my skin now, and that's what I'm really grateful. That's what I'm grateful about because it's just, I don't know, I just, I feel like a lot of women that go through that, it's hard to believe it. And, and knowing you have a daughter of your own now. Yeah, and I don't want her to ever say things about herself like that because she is a beautiful person, you know, inside and out. And yeah. <laughs> if I ever heard her say that about herself, it would really break my heart. Or if anybody else said that about her, it would make me... It, I wouldn't, but it would make me want to punch them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can see the glow and the, 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 the light up when you were talking about her. Your eyes just light up and shine. So definitely can tell how, how you cherish your children. Yeah. Alice is the most amazing girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, this Thanksgiving coming up, um, I'm just honestly so thankful uh, about everything in my life. I'm just thankful for the people in my life. I'm thankful for the opportunities I have every day. To just make that choice to like choose life. Um, the things I'm most thankful for is my family, and it's probably your mom. Um, most thankful for is uh, my family and my kids. Um, also, there's something I've been working on the last couple of years. I've really wanted to um, make music, and when I was using drugs, basically. I had nothing to show for, and just this last year, I've been able to um, buy some speakers. I have a studio coming along, Very cool. and it's I'm finally able to make music, and I'm really thankful that I have that opportunity because I've worked really hard for it. I mean, I've, since me and her have been together, I've been talking about it. Like, I yeah. want to make music. I want to, you know, I want to do this and. To see that actually start to like happen, yeah. it's like, it's like you know I've obviously had help like from her and um, her family, but at the end of the day I like really put that drive and like I want this and I'm gonna do it and it's happening. I'm starting to make music and um, there's just so much to be thankful for, you know. Um, I just it honestly. I'm just so thankful. Like it's it's really hard to explain. To be Sounds honest, like 2021 is the best year yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, it's it's been a hard year, but at the same time, it's been a very re- rewarding year in like overcoming things and not letting anything bring us down. Like with our daughter and the lead, and then not having a plate, our own house, and to like overcoming all that and and then you know adding other good stuff on top of it you know it's just like it's been amazing you know and yeah. it's like every day I literally I'm not just saying this every day I walk around in this house I still like think like dude this is our house like this is crazy like yeah. I, like it, it sometimes I literally I'll like get up to use the bathroom or something and I'm like Dude, this is crazy. Like, this is our place. Like, yeah. it trips me out. It's like we went from like, you know, nothing to this, and mm-hmm. like, it's just so awesome, and I'm just so happy about it. And yeah, you're growing your roots. Yeah, yeah. It's really happening. It's crazy seeing Austin be like, just be so mature about everything now. He's definitely like from seeing him on and off of drugs and kicking him out and not enabling him and 
having to put my feelings aside and just know that I can't have him live with me while he's using and seeing who he is today it's just it's so crazy to me because I got that visual when somebody when he's using I get to see that and then when he's clean I can tell a difference and I never could tell the difference because I was always high with him and he he's changed and he's grown so much from where he was at and letting people get to him and especially like his family and just knowing that he's strong and he doesn't let anything or anyone come in his way anymore. Yeah. And he definitely has a voice and he won't tolerate any bullshit that comes his way. And he's definitely an amazing father and he's a great husband and <laughs> he spoils me. That's Thanks, awesome. <laughs> You really seem like the definition of resiliency. Yeah, I, uh, um... Both of you, actually. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been in the past pretty hard-headed, and, um, you know, once you just keep beating yourself up over and over, so I kind of learned it in that way and apply it in a different way. So instead of being stubborn about the wrong things, it's like now I'm kind of applying those, uh, you know characteristics in a better way like not giving up and fighting you know for my life so if someone is going through a hard time hardship what words of encouragement would you give them um are you talking about like if they're using or just anything yeah really anything i would um i would probably just let them know like they aren't alone and i know that's a really common thing to say but it's the most it it's it's a very like it's a real answer because people are never alone even if they feel like they're alone and there's always somebody out there that would love to help them in any situation and you have to talk about it and you have to reach out your hands because if you're quiet, it's just gonna get worse. Hiding it, pretending like everything's okay, that's gonna eat you up and then your mind is just gonna take over and you don't know what's gonna come in the future if you keep just holding it in. And holding things in for years and years and years, if it gets to that point, that's when a lot of destruction happens to yourself and others. So I really, really feel like just being communicative, you know, just finding somebody, even if it's just like one of those 1-800 phone calls or, you know, just just reach out to people. Like, just don't, don't hold your feelings in because that's what got me in trouble with myself is just hiding the abuse and not talking to my parents because I was afraid and they knew what was going on but they couldn't do anything about it because it was just too late because I kept going back because I felt like that's the only person that loved on loved me quote unquote Mm -hmm. and you don't need that you know if people see you vulnerable and depressed and you go to the wrong people they will take advantage of you so you just you really need to find good people out there that actually do care about you and help you through things because we all need humanity. We all need people. We can't just, we're not creatures that just go without other people. Like like insects, they don't need other insects. 
but us as in individuals, as in humans, we need each other. Because that's where we see how strong we are in the end. And that's just, you know, like we have hearts and we need to use them more instead of letting other things get to us and just holding it in. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, for me, um, probably if someone's going through something, whether it, you know, just be a hardship or addiction, I think for what I, what I usually say to someone is that every day is a different day. And today you might be dealing with something that's just absolutely horrible. But if you just do your absolute best to be the best person that you can today, and whether it's something going on in your life that might be too hard for you to deal with, sometimes you do need some outside help. Um, me, personally, I work with a therapist that works at a place called Riverview, and her name is Sarah, and she is absolutely amazing. And um, to, for me, it really helps. Um, it really helps for me to go down there every um, couple weeks and to just talk and sometimes it's not even it doesn't even have to be about something bad like sometimes it's just having a conversation and um, then sometimes you go down there and like you you think there's really nothing going on with you and the next thing you know you're crying and it's like um, it, I feel like it's a good outlet to, to talk to somebody so I, I highly recommend um, getting a therapist and you know some therapists not not might not be for you but don't be discouraged like there's someone out there that's probably a great therapist that you're going to really relate with and you're going to be able to have good conversations with and have good advice so that's something in my life that's really helped me a lot and um just at the end of the day knowing that every day is a new day and um, some days are going to be worse than others and some days are going to be better than others but it all kind of comes down to you and what you do about it. You could sit around and feel sorry for yourself or you could feel sad for yourself and that's okay to, to have those emotions but don't let those emotions like defeat you. Like Take that as inspiration to make yourself change or take that as inspiration to be, alright, I'm sad right now but what can I do to be happy? And uh, really just for me, the main thing I could say is just to never give up. Like, even if you keep messing up, it doesn't matter. Like, as long as you don't ever give up, then you can't um, be defeated. You know what I'm saying? Like me and uh, my friend that I talked to with, uh, that I work with, we had these little conversations and stuff about things like this. That And he was the one that was telling me I should do a podcast and blah, blah, blah. But he's pretty much, um, we just kind of say, like, uh, you don't fail unless you don't. You, you, like, if you fail, it's okay. But if you keep trying, like, that's not a failure. Like, right. you're not a failure if you don't give up. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it might, you might feel like a failure one day. But... If you don't give up, like, was it really a fail? Like, I don't think so. I feel like, you know, sometimes things take time to right. overcome and uh, just to never give up. So. Yeah, I've heard the saying, there's no such thing as failure, only feedback. Yeah. <laughs> so that makes sense. You know, sometimes there's people that have point of views um, that are a little trivial. And 
if someone is trying to work through and you know having progress and worry about other people's opinions is there anything you have to share about or encourage from from that lens um well i always had a problem with like listening to other people's opinions and most of the time it was kind of negative towards me um they would like act like they would they would just like say like smart remarks like oh just get over it or oh just leave them or like just like my what i went through you know and for me what really helped me like when i got clean and stuff like when people would give me opinions or thoughts about like what i'm doing it started just to get to the point where it became like really annoying and if these people would say negative opinions i kind of just realized i don't need those people in my life so i just cut them out and as soon as i got out of jail i deactivated my facebook i haven't been on facebook for three years because of that and i am just okay with my mom my dad austin's family and austin and my children and if there's somebody that wants to find me that's you know in my past then they can try but if they don't put in the effort in i don't miss them so i i really think if people are just super negative and just always giving you all these negative opinions and thoughts and acting like they know who you are I wouldn't I wouldn't even associate with your with them because in the end it's about you and you already know what you need to do with your life and you don't need those other people trying to make you feel more shitty about yourself when you're already going through a hard time and fighting through whatever the situation is. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think like um kind of what I got from what you're saying is to like say someone's struggling with drug addiction or something like that and maybe a lot of people around them don't know what they're going through and they want to speak up but they're afraid someone's going to judge them um that's why i kind of um recommend a therapist because sometimes um if you're not ready to tell others around you it's kind of easier to talk to someone that doesn't immediately know you and then i feel like that way you're kind of stepping into that world of um, being able to eventually share, you know, uh, what's going on with somebody else that you might want to. So for instance, it's kind of like just putting your foot in that water and, um, it might help someone realize like, you know, maybe someone else will want to hear what I am, what I'm going through. So I would kind of like tell them like, Hey, maybe try to find a therapist or maybe a friend that you really trust and then start there and um it, you know kind of see how that goes and um just remember that some people don't understand addiction and you, there is some people that are going to judge you that's gonna happen and try not to take it personal because like they're they they don't, they don't understand it so they're not gonna get it so yeah. don't take it personal because at the end of the day some people just don't know things about it and they're just you know they kind of have you they have the stereotypes and stuff like that but um i would just focus on trying to talk to a therapist getting it out that way or um talking to a close friend and if you feel like you do need to tell other people maybe just tell them like look this is what i'm going through 
I would um, really like if you supported me and if you could be my friend. And if you can't, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, I'm going to do what I have to do for myself. So yeah. if someone's not okay with you wanting to do better in your life, then maybe that person isn't supposed to be in your life. So sometimes you might find out who your real friends are. And, um, but that's a good thing, you know. It's good to know who's real and who's not. And um, sometimes it sucks when you lose a friend, but... It's like when you're battling something like heroin addiction or drug addiction or alcoholism, uh, at the end of the day, you need to do whatever you got to do to save your life. And if that means losing some friends, then it's worth it. So that's what my um, kind of advice would be. Thank you. So do you have a song that lifts you up from your experience or like a quote that you find really resonates? Um... For me, there's so many um, songs. Uh, like, I'm just in love with music. There's, like, so many songs that mean a lot to me um, in general. Like, me and my w- wife. It's really cheesy. But, because I don't really listen to, like, mainstream radio, uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. But there's a song that we've been listening to since we've heard it that reminds us of us like because even when we were using we would listen to it it'd come on the radio but like now that we're clean and that it will that song will come on or we'll put it on or something like that it like it makes us like be able to look at the past but not in a bad way like look like oh we're still we're still together and it's funny and all it's like even though we've had lots of bad times we still had good times but the song it's called uh What's the name? It's by the Chainsmokers. Closer. Closer. It's that one popular song on the radio. We would I'm always sure. just drive in, yeah. in, the, in the car in yeah. Washington. Wow. Yeah, so that's like a song that always reminds us of like everything. And then um, I would say uh, one of my probably, let's see, one of my all-time favorite songs is... Um, <laughs> There's just and I put you on the spot. So <laughs> um, I don't know if I would have to say a song that really means a lot to me. Um, there's a, a song called "Timeless" by an artist called Goldie. I li- I grew up listening to Goldie. He's like in the electronic scene. Like he's like from the UK, and he was a big part of like starting the big like drum and bass, mm-hmm. like big raves and people dancing and having fun but um i love goldie because he has a really cool outlook on life this guy is so positive he's always funny and he's just been kind of a soundtrack to my whole life Mm. and now when i listen to that song and like i hear it's like i've heard that song through the good and bad and like it's really cool to be able to listen to it now in this the spot i'm in so like when i hear it and then it's just like the it's called timeless and it's got this girl singing and it's just like it just reminds you like how special life is and like wow it's just an amazing song to me i love it that sounds awesome yeah anything for you jacqueline um well with music actually when me and austin uh first started like seeing each other he introduced me to this dj called named bass nectar and um, right now, Bass Nectar is kind of going through some things, but he's very special to me because when through through our using and through our um, just 
through our recovery together, I feel like Bass Nectar kind of like reached out to my life of just being sober, working with Austin and our relationship and just our recovery together. And when we went to Louisville in Tennessee, no, Kentucky. Oh, Kentucky. Kentucky. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, we went to Louisville in Kentucky, and that's when I first felt Alice, like, move in my stomach, and Austin and his mom went to go see Bass Nectar live, and just, like, just, I wasn't able to go because I was pregnant, but just, like, knowing they weren't going to go see Bass Nectar, and I just felt Alice move, mm -hmm. and just having a lot of, like, just positive support at that time and just listening to bass nectar through through everything and just made like a huge impact in my life and when I went to go see him live for the first time it was just this magical moment I just had Alice my mom was watching her when we went out of town and just like all the emotions like kind of towards the end of the show you know we were just like sobbing in tears and just like we made it you know yeah. we can breathe now and just I just remember that time when me you and your mom were just holding each other so tight and yeah. just that that energy yeah. just it was, it really was just special. unbelievable mm. and that's just what what really played a big role in the music industry was, I yeah. would say, Bass Nectar. Wow. Yeah, you, and tell her about your other song um, by Blind Melon that she always no liked. No Rain. Yeah, that song, <laughs> No Rain. Yeah. She I, loves that song. When I first got out of jail, I was living in, uh, we were living in the Motel Canfield, and I would play that song every single day, and it would drive him nuts. <laughs> like, bruh, come on. <laughs> That singer died of a heroin overdose, and so when he played that, when I was listening to that song over and over again, it just kind of kind of just made me realize in the moment where I just got out of, yeah. which was jail, addiction, federal court, Austin rehab, wasn't able to talk to my family, and it was just like this, just that song just kind of like, kind of just... Um, manifest in my head and I just was just so obsessed with it and I just I needed to hear it over and over and over again for some reason yeah. it took me a long time just to like stop listening to it I haven't listened to it in a while yeah. but for a couple of years I would say I would listen to it like on repeat yeah and it was, it's, yeah, it's weird but wow. it's a really good song and it's really um unfortunate about the the guy but it's it's cool because the song is a positive song, you know. Yeah. So you kind of got a part of that that singer lives through his music, and it's a good song, you right. know. It's like he might have died because of his addiction, but he still has music that affects people in mm. a good way, and I feel like that's awesome to me. Like um, that, even though he's passed away. Um, he still makes people happy and the song is called no rain so it's kind of like a metaphor like no matter what's going on like you're gonna be happy and 
the video's got this girl that's like dressed up like a bumblebee and yeah. kids are making fun of her and stuff but she doesn't care yeah, she's, she's just like dancing, dancing. And like, yeah. I, I just like uh even though it would drive me nuts sometimes I, at the end of the uh, day like I was just like you know it is a cute song and right. it was cute to see her like happy and jamming out yeah. well thank you both so much for sharing your journey you know left me speechless numerous times when you were sharing what you went through and to just celebrate your recovery and being clean and doing it together and having this family now and just like creating your roots in your own home and gosh it just sounds like life is in your hands yeah (laughs) thank you you. i really appreciate it and we're happy that we could share it with you and yeah we we were we were kind of nervous but I don't know, I just, it was kind of like my friend told me, he's like, dude, the universe brought this lady to you guys, like, do it, because I was like, should I do it? He's like, dude, are you serious, bro? Like, do it. He's like, you better do it. Yeah, I, I just know this messaging, that who hears it, it, you're impacting people by what you're sharing, and so I know it takes a lot of courage to, to do that, and I just am so honored to have you given me the chance for that, so thank oh, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in to the Hardship Journey episode. It would mean so much to me if you would share this episode with a friend or family member or even post it on social media and tag me so I can personally thank you for helping me get the message out. And I hope you feel inspired and motivated from listening to this episode. And no matter what comes your way on life's journey, you can make your own hardship journey.